Hello, Bruins and hockey fans, and welcome to episode 67 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. I'm Mike, and instead of with Joe, we have Jason, and we have our good buddy Mark from the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, Joe, unfortunately, had to have a work outing tonight. Oh, damn him, huh? He, he's at the Harpoon Brewery, by the way, guys. Probably getting some free beer from his work company. Lucky him. But we'll, we'll make do without him and do and do the show without him. But, um, uh, guys, how's it going? Good. Good, Mark, gentlemen. How you guys doing? To have you on. Thank you very much for having me again, man. I always like to uh, talk hockey with you guys. Absolutely. I mean, we've been we've been accustomed to the three person show, so I've uh, so without Joe and adding you, it just I think it works out better for the dynamic of the show. I mean, I see you guys just added a third uh, person to your podcast too, right, Mark? We did. Yeah, uh, Court Lalonde joined the uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, and we're excited to have him. He's uh, under the intern label. <laughs> um, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna keep that until Cassidy gets his uh, full time coaching. But uh, yeah, he's been a great addition to the show. Uh, he brings a uh, numbers kind of uh, feeling to the show that uh, we we didn't re- that Rob and Rob Tomlin and I didn't uh, always have before. But it's a nice addition. We got three different personalities, and believe it or not, in three different countries. Oh no, no crap, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm in uh, close to Boston. Uh, Court Lalonde is uh, in Toronto. He's a diehard Bruins fan, and believe it or not, his father was a former Bruin, Bobby Lalonde, back in uh, 81, 82, 82, 83, I believe. Oh, you learn something so, new every day, right, Mark? Yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah, everything's been going good. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. And speaking of numbers, let's get to these ridiculous numbers by Brad Marchand. Obviously, against the, the Canucks tonight, uh, limited in the first two periods to have an assist. And then he had a third period explosion for a hat trick. And um, I know recently Patrick Kane last night had a had a decent game, but at the time of at the end of the Vancouver game at, at the night, Brad Marchand was uh, tied with Sidney Crosby for the league leading goals with 32. And then um, obviously he was tied with McDavid for the the leading score and point wise too. And you just look at this and and Brad Marchand is just been playing unbelievable for this Boston Bruins team, and it's. Literally mind-blowing to see. Because last year, obviously, he had a record-high 37 goals. And the Bruins re-signed him this past offseason. You say, okay, great. They re-signed Marchand. Great player. But, I mean, could he get back to 37 goals? Maybe, maybe not. But he's right there. And he's taking his game to probably even the next level. Because, you notice last year, he wasn't uh, putting up the assists. He was just he was scoring a lot more goals than he was getting assists. But this year, he's been doing it in all facets of the game. He's by far been the Bruins' best player all season long. And you just can't say enough about well, Brad Marchand right now. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I can go on been, for about two hours on this one topic. Yeah, right. Uh, he's been outstanding. Um, and when I, I what I noticed from him is uh, his game at, at when the calendar year turned. And that's when his stats were being uh, more compared to those elite players in the league like Crosby and so on. So it's been really exciting to watch for the past couple of months how uh, – how he's doing, and, and believe it or not, I'm really surprised about this because uh, just from an old guy myself and seeing trends and contracts, usually the year after you sign is not a very good one. But um, he's really been playing very well this year. And um, and my take, you know, I was listening to this on Belgrin Mass today while it was technically Maserati and Murray, but Maserati brought up that he thought that last year was a fluke for Martian and. Even he was surprised to see how well Marshall's been playing, and he's definitely not the MVP, but in the MVP discussion for sure. He's earned that. 
Yeah, let's, let me touch on that quickly too, Jason. Obviously, the MVP conversation, um, the Art Ross is obviously from the most uh, – is, is the Art Ross is the MVP, right? And the, yeah, the Art Ross is the MVP and the Rocket Rashad is for the most goals. And obviously, he's in the running for both of those awards. And you looked at it, and like you said, no one expected that at the beginning of the year. Obviously, people were expecting Marchand to you know, still be one of the pests on the Bruins team and, and do what it takes to win. Uh, obviously, he plays in all facets of the game. He plays in the penalty kill. He plays five on five, and, and now he's finally getting power play time out of it too. But like you said, MVP conversation, and it's crazy. And I never looked at Marshan MVP, but you look around the league at, at some of the the players he's competing with, and it's Crosby, McDavid, Patrick Kane, uh, Brent Burns is having a great year in San Jose, also. And these are the, all the players you look at as the best players in the league. And I don't think Brad Marshan gets that recognition league wide. And maybe he'll start you, especially after his great uh, World Cup of Hockey uh, this past season when he did it on an international stage with a with a big audience. But, I mean, Marshan's been by far the most valuable player for the Bruins, and it's not even close. And I think he should get votes. Win it, different story. Obviously, uh, the Oilers could snap a playoff drought. I think Brent Burns is, is by far the best defenseman in the league. Uh, maybe just slightly, slightly over Eric Carlson. So, I mean, I think he's been great with that team also. But, I mean... I understand how Crosby does this all the time, and I'm not trying to compare Marshan and Crosby, but Crosby's always there, and I feel like giving the MVP to Crosby would just be not good for the game because he's obviously the best player. I know he's the best player, but I don't think he's the most valuable to his team this particular season where I think Marshan and the other players are. But like you said, he's not going to win it, but just to even be in the conversation with those guys is great. And Go what? Ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. The the story itself, right, for Marshan this season, like you said, you touched on that. Um, Mike uh, started with the World Cup, so and 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 to add to that story, to the you know the the really bad beginning of this year, um, to what he's doing most recently and the team's turnaround, um, you know, he's definitely in the conversation. I don't know if he wins it because, like you said before, Mike the. Uh, uh, the face of the NHL, the face of the, the league. Um, uh, it, it always goes to a certain somebody that, that you, you know, that's always there and, and, and always up there in the point. So uh, I'd like to see him win for sure. It'd, be, it'd definitely be a nice story to a, a very bipolar season. And, what, and Jason, for me, um, Yes, I'm going to add on to that because Brew, the, with Marshan the way he's playing and the Bruins as a team right now, I heard this come up as a phrase in uh, one of the articles I was reading earlier. The Bruins are very quietly becoming contenders. They, 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 they kind of are. Uh, I don't want to go too far just yet, obviously, because they, I mean, we saw how it goes the past two seasons where they've choked away the playoffs, and I understand it's been different recently under new coach Bruce Cassidy, but I don't want to count the chickens before they hatch. Uh, so to speak, the saying that that goes there. I'm going to wait until they get in. But if the Bruins get in, I think they will be a tough out because, I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Their power play is doing well. They have a really good they have a really good penalty kill. Uh, Rask has the ability to steal games. Obviously, I know he let in a kind of a soft goal the other night against Vancouver. But um, he has the ability to steal games. I just think the Bruins have the ingredients to you know make some noise. But like I said, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit and not get ahead of myself because – these past two seasons, you, we've saw what happened with this Bruins team, and you just don't—you just never know what's going to happen towards the end of the season. Because as we've talked about on this show, this past two episodes, they—they they do have a lot of home games coming up, 
But all the teams that they're playing after this Western Canada trip are all teams right around them in the playoffs. So they're pretty much playing playoff hockey now. No, and that's, yeah, and and that's true. And um, for me, my for me, the uh, comparison I'm going to give the Bruins to this year, if they do make the playoffs, I'm going to say they're very sneakily like the Penguins from last year. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Um, Definitely interesting point. I'm not going to go that far. They obviously don't have Malkin or Crosby. And I think Crystal Tang obviously is, is one of the best defensemen in the league when he's healthy. And I don't think the Bruins have an equivalent to Crystal Tang. That's Me true. and myself, I got Bruins have 13 games remaining. And uh, just from this Jekyll and Hyde team this year, a 19. I mean, they got five, they're five games above 500 at home. Um, so, and believe it or not, eight of those games are going to be played at TD Garden, which hasn't been, it's been much better lately, but, um... They are 7-1 under Cassidy, though. Right, right, which is a, a definitely imp- a huge improvement. But, the, you know, the last two seasons and, 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 and the beginning of this year, the home team, uh, the home team just didn't play very well in front of their home fans, so, um, it's nice, definitely nice... Nice to see. I was actually in the house for that Detroit game last week. That was absolutely. You got a you got a great game then. Oh yeah, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, the atmosphere just um, got lifted. It was it was definitely a lot better than the uh, Phoenix game or the Arizona game I went to the week uh, before that. Uh, yeah, the original six uh, feeling in the in yeah. The I feel like they absolutely. Absolutely. I just feel like they've been playing a lot better at home under Cassidy, like you said, Mark, though. I'm in the same boat that you are. I'm not I'm not going to say pencil them into the playoffs just because we saw what happened the past two seasons. And I hope it's different this year under Cassidy, but you just never know with this team. They I mean, they have all the same players. All they did really was pretty much just change the coach. Yeah, I, I said that over the uh, the offseason. You look at the, the lineup on paper. Uh, they made lateral movements. Uh, just And to me, that's that's competitive movements. That's not going out and and calling, you know, let's go win a Stanley Cup. I don't understand why the owner did that back in September, saying that he expects a long run because, yeah, I mean, even he can look at a roster and say that's that's really not what we're here for. It's more of a competitive thing. So um, they didn't make any explosive moves because they couldn't. They're always capped, you know, up against the cap, and it's very limited for this team the past couple of years. But I see it opening up, and we're going to see a nice transition of players coming through in the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, what did you, uh, Mark, let me just get your opinion on this. Uh, obviously, I asked Jason and Joel this last week. Uh, what were your thoughts on the acquisition of Drew Stafford? I was happy with it because they didn't break the bank. They didn't kill the farm system just to get a rental piece. Like I feel like last year when they got, you know, the Stepniak and Lyles of the world, uh, they gave up a bunch of draft picks that for nothing. I feel like with Stafford, they're giving up a sixth-rounder that could be a fifth-rounder, could be a fourth-rounder, but in the 2018 draft, and I feel like they did a lot better job with their assets this time around than they did last year. Absolutely, and and, and well said, Mike. Uh, the, the the key here, you guys know, you guys see it all the time, and you report on it. They're, they're rebuilding, they're retooling, so this stuff is going to happen, but you need to keep the assets when you do that. Um, this isn't of, uh, to me, it's not going to turn, you know, it's not going to be an explosive roster in a year. So, uh, it's going to be patient, but I like, I like what they're doing so far. Um, Jason, did you want to add to that? 
I got nothing to add. I mean, like I said, I think Drew Stafford is a pretty decent acquisition for what they gave up. Uh, it's definitely an improvement compared to last year, and like Mark said earlier, the Bruins have a lot to be optimistic to even going into next season. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, obviously, Mark, what you were talking about earlier about the interim coach, Bruce Cassidy, uh, do you think they're going to lift it soon? Because we had this conversation on our show the past few weeks, and we think that he's done enough to to be the coach full-time, and I think they should have lifted the interim thing. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm just wondering, are they waiting to see if they make the playoffs first before they go forward with Cassidy? Or what are your thoughts on that? If In all honesty, I would like to see them do it in the offseason. Um it, to, I don't know. I, I I might be just the one in the corner, but um, I just see it as being something to focus something else on. And when when the playoffs are uh, the one, the thing that has to be focused on, uh, I don't want to see it go in another direction. So le- eliminate all that, you know, contract talk until the end of the, when nobody's playing and it's all his. Now it's focused on him as an individual coach. And 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 a you know, a potential hire. So, I never looked at it that way. That's a good way to look at it. Like you said, just go out there and play, and don't worry about you exactly. know exactly. You know what players situation. you know what players say that um you know when, when a GM approaches them and they say we got to talk, you know, and the players are like, can we wait till the end of the season? I need to focus on my game. There you go, just like that. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's just. I mean, I agree with your point, and I, I never thought I would because I thought they were going to lift the interim, you know, label from Bruce Cassidy. But you make a good point. Like, it's kind of like you know, how you said we're players, you know, it's like in the middle of the season, they say contract negotiations can wear them down. Uh, the contract gear is always on their mind. So maybe not talking about it, I could just let the Bruins go out there and play and, like you said, evaluate them in the offseason. It's not a bad, bad strategy. And now that you say that, I'm kind of inclined to agree on that i think they probably should just wait to the offseason and after everything's all said and done evaluate the team evaluate how they how the year went under julian and then how the teams transitioned under cassidy and go from there yeah because the playoffs right now are just it's it's not set in stone so um you know i i wouldn't if there's a coach out there honestly if they didn't make the playoffs this year and there's a coach available that they believe has the experience and so on because I do like what Bruce is doing. I appreciate what he's doing with the younger players, but if it's if it's for experience, I, I you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't mind dropping him down to a to a um, an assistant level f- for at least a couple of years. I know I'm dying for a Montreal Bruins playoff first round matchup though. Dying oh, for it. I need that it. Would, I like. I need it. That's just crazy hockey right there, and I love it. That that's a that's a week of uh, Maylox that Joe Joe would say. Oh yeah, it would be great with Julian on Montreal and Bruce Cassidy's take. Oh yeah, but the enter- <laughs> the entertainment factor would be worth it. That's Absolutely. why I'm um, that's why I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the Bruins make the playoffs. This year, this year. Matchup. You're good, Mike. Do we lose him? Hope not, but no. I definitely want to see that matchup against Montreal. It's one of the big things that yeah, the that's the reason I'm, I'm pulling for it too. I need that matchup. Yeah, yeah. If that's if you're gonna make the playoffs, what a hell of a way to come back. So you know, after a two season absence, um, come back in style. Uh, that's that's 
that's going to be some heavy hockey right there. Yeah, I mean, I just would, I just want to see Montreal versus Boston just for the whole Julian aspect, and because if the Bruins are going to make the playoffs, like you said, I want to be entertained. I think Ottawa plays a boring style. Uh, I'm all set yeah, with watching us. the Bruins play Ottawa in a seven-game series. I know, I get that. I understand that. They, they're good. They play their systems really well. I just don't want to have to watch seven games of Bruins oh, play in Ottawa. I got you. I got you. I'm right there with you. Especially because because of Guy Boucher's style. He was the one that did the one-two, the one-three-one trap, and he would like sit behind. Sip, have his players do a trap, and remember that game against the Flyers, where the Flyers were just held up, held the puck behind the net for like three minutes, and everyone was booing. I mean, that's just the style he he coaches, and it works. I get it; it works for some teams, and they play it really, really well. I just don't want to have to watch the Bruins play them in a series. I just I, I can't. You. So that's why I want Montreal. If the Bruins are going to make the playoffs, give me Montreal. There's just so many juicy matchups and juicy storylines, the history, the rivalry. I mean, that's what I want. I don't want hardware. I want Montreal. <laughs> I love the spirit. I'm not asking for too much, right? No, nope, not <laughs> at no, all. Because a series against Ottawa, Mike, a series against Ottawa would remind me of that Braden Hopey, Tim Thomas series, like right after the Bruins won the Cup in 2012. What are you saying? It'll be just like that series? Is that what you're it'll saying? Be bo- it'll be a boring goaltending series. Yeah, thinking back on that, that series was boring because that was when Dale Hunter coached the Capitals and he had everyone pack it in. And, you know, five guys in, he was, like, not playing Ovechkin that much. And, yeah, like you said, that was that was a not a fun series to watch, and I think it would be equivalent to that. That's actually a really good point. A lot of block shot series. Yeah, block, block shot series. But isn't it crazy how Montreal and Ottawa play each other three more times? This yeah. late in the era? I yeah. mean, I thought that was crazy. Hey, are you guys up for like uh, more divisional games in the se- in the uh, schedule next year? I, I am. You remember before they I made think this? Four is boring. I le- I want to yeah. see Montreal way more often and spread them out, not just you know put them towards the beginning and then nothing in the springtime. Right, and then, I agree with you because before they did this uh, new playoff structure, that's when they like switched up the the schedule, and that's when they started doing divisional games for you know only four times and it was they they play every team home and away now uh i kind of agree with you they got to find a way to play more division games because when i first started watching the the bruins they were playing montreal like eight times a year do you remember that oh yeah and like you said it was all it was all spread out and like the bruins played ottawa once in the first half of the season like uh on on american thanksgiving that's when the bruins played ottawa then they play him Three times from the month of like February, I mean, from the like from the beginning of March to the end of the season, and it's like the Bruins obviously are competing with with Ottawa and Montreal for playoff spots, and it's like, okay, they finished with Montreal before their bye week, yet they have to play Ottawa three more times after their bye week. It doesn't make any sense. And they have games in hand. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The division games have been always what teams give up for. I mean, those are the games that you want to go to. Those are the games you want to have the rivalries and the hatred for. And they don't do that anymore. And you look, and you can you can kind of see it now with this watered down product that they call Wednesday Night Rivalry on NBC. They might as well just call it Wednesday Night Showcases because they don't play any rivalries. Right. It's ridiculous, but um, I agree with you. I think they should go back to the, the that seven or eight division games they have a year because that just brought out the best in all the teams. I thought. It's like uh, I watch a lot of Providence Bruins, as you as you both know. I watch every game, so 
And it does get boring when you see Springfield 12 times a season, see Bridgeport 12 times a season. You know, it's just it's I watch it for the prospects for evaluation purposes. But um, when you when you watch the hockey, it's pretty much the same all the time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but but guys, uh, did you know as the playoff push heats up, SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek seamless mobile app, you can buy and sell tickets with just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in a stadium or, excuse me, there's nothing like being in a stadium to watch the biggest plays from your team. And SeatGeek will get you the closest to game action for a great value. I actually have the SeatGeek app. I have used it on my phone. It's by far the easiest way that I've found personally to get tickets. I can be anywhere at any time with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats. I actually just use it. Like I said uh, last week, I went to the Bruins-Rangers game. Unfortunately, they lost that game, but that was a great game for me to go to, and I used the Seeky Gap to find tickets. Uh, I used the, um, excuse me, Seeky is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that help fit your budget. And trust me, they helped me with that. Uh, I usually like to sit in the balcony, and trust me, SeatGeek was very, very instrumental in helping me find great value for balcony seats. Uh, best, of, best of all... Listeners right now can get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Uh, to get your $20 rebate on tickets, just download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code BRUINSBEAT, all one word. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code BRUINSBEAT today. And Mark, obviously since we have you on, I would like to kind of delve into the delve into the prospect pool a little bit. Uh, I read a great piece from, from Kirk Ludicky today. Uh, I'm, Mark, you follow Kirk, right? Absolutely. He's, a, uh, uh, he's been great with the prospects. He had a great article today. What were you saying, Mark? Sorry. Uh, no, he's a he's an awesome prospect guy. If anybody's uh, interested in, in uh, reading oh, yeah, up on I, what he's got. I he, think so, he's, too. He, think he's he posts every back. week. Um He's he's really good. So and uh, he's he just just moved to the heartland of the United States where the the USHL is. So he's going to be seeing a lot of really good hockey. Yeah, I agree. And um, he had a nice article today talking about kind of some of the Bruins prospects that are in college. Uh, obviously, some of the bad news. I mean, one of the bad things is uh, Ryan Lindgren, the defenseman from Minnesota. Uh, broke his leg and he has to get surgery and he's out for the year. Obviously, some of the people might know him from the Team USA World Juniors. Uh, that's a tough break for him, but obviously, I th- he was most lucky going back to school next year, anyways. But hopefully, for he prepare, uh, he can fully get healthy and come back next year even stronger. And then he talked about he touched on uh, Jacob Forsbacher Carlson from BU and Charlie McAvoy a little bit. And I thought it was interesting that he said that JFK, if he heard from a source, is definitely coming out uh, to turn pro after his BU season ends. And um, obviously he's not the most flashy guy, but Mark, what are you, uh, what are your thoughts on JFK? Cause obviously if he signs with the Bruins, yeah, I don't think he's going to make a major difference for this team this year, but, but going forward, what do you, what do you see from him? Um, I definitely see a two way signer uh, with some uh, good, 
uh, special teams skills. I mean, if if any of uh, your listeners know that he's he's been known to be the prototypical Bergeron player. So uh, I, I see him. I, I don't know. I'm in, with prospects. I kind of tend to like want them to stay. So um, I'd like to see him stay. Honestly, if he if he's not going to be an immediate pro. Um, I'd like to see him stay in school. I don't want to see the Bruins do what they did to Danton Heinen in Denver. I believe he got taken way too early, and he's he's actually struggling right now in the AHL. Um, he goes on uh, goal streaks. I mean, and they're not four. They're not. It's 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 negative numbers. So I mean, he's a good player. He plays a role down there, but he's not at the level that he should be right now. He should be back in the college ranks. But I like um, I like JFK. I like where he's I like where he's going in his um, in his forward progression and his development. Uh, he's definitely going to be a key player to this uh, Bruins future. But um, I really can't tell if it's going to be this year. It's definitely not this year. But uh, next year's roster, who knows? And I'm not sure he'd want to, you know, get out of college to go play in the AHL. Do you think that McAvoy will follow them too? Yeah, you guys have seen Twitter and so on. People need to really calm down about McAvoy leaving school and joining the Bruins this year. Please do it. Please say this. I need this rant right now. It's awful. I mean, just think about it. It, it, The the general manager Don Sweeney is not going to take a roster spot that's making two point five million dollars and put him on the shelf for an NCAA kid this year. That does nothing but nastiness to the locker room. Um, you're not showcasing him for anything. He's he's not fully ready this season. So uh, don't expect him to be here this year or the playoffs. And, and the, the playoff chatter is, is ridiculous too because um, how do you think Kevin Miller would feel if uh, his, his roster spot got taken by an NCAA kid for the playoffs when he's had a decent – you know, not great, but decent year uh, this season. Uh, that's that just spells really bad things. So it's definitely not going to happen next season. I'll tell you, he will make some noise. He will challenge for a roster spot with Joe Morrow. Probably, I mean, he's got restricted rights, but John Michael Lyles uh, definitely not resigning. There are openings for players like him, Jakub um, Borrell. Jeremy Lawson to challenge for. <clears throat> I, I totally agree with this. I totally, totally agree with this. And people like, like it's because he had the great world junior pro, uh, t- championship tournament. And don't get me wrong. I, I was just as excited as everyone else about that team and how McAvoy looked and how he controlled the game and I, how he was one of the best players on the ice, but he's not coming in after this season to save the Bruins fans. He's not coming in to save the Bruins. It's not going to happen. If they sign him, great. Like you said, let him come in next year. Uh, get a full summer to work out and train and do whatever he needs to do and compete for a job like Brandon Carlo did. We don't need him coming in if the Bruins make the playoffs. The only reason that – and people seem to forget. Oh, but Tory Krug played in the playoffs. Do you know why he played in the playoffs? It's because their D was hurt. Seidenberg got hurt. McQuaid got hurt. They had no one else to go to, so that's why Tory Krug played. Ma- Ma- uh, let's let McAvoy develop. I, I think he is going to. Re- I think he is going to sign a pro-, pro contract this year. But if he does, people need to pump the brakes. Just let him go. Let him progress. Let him have, like I said, have a summer, work out, train, 
coming next year, compete for a job, boom. But I agree with you. This fan like enlightenment about McAvoy just coming right in and being like a Drew Doughty is, is asinine. Right. <clears throat> I like the kid. I, I think but, he's uh, got sorry, huge I upside. Quick McAvoy. I, I like the guy. I had to do, I had to do the same McAvoy rant that you did, Mark. I needed to yeah, do it. I did too. It's just. I mean, it, it it's good hype. I mean, but it's it's unrealistic to me. Oh yeah, by far unrealistic. But I thought another uh, uh, prospect he touched on that I think the Bruins absolutely should sign after a season is is Anders Bjork, um, prospect from Notre Dame, and his contracts. I mean, I, I forget how it is, but like in college, but it's after a certain amount of years you can become an unrestricted free agent, pretty much. But VZ did this coming season when he signed with the Rangers and didn't sign with Nashville. Uh, Bjork's a, a, a prospect I look at and say the Bruins should try and sign him and maybe see what they got there and 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 give him a shot next. I think next year too. I'm not saying to throw him into the lineup this year, but I'm pretty excited about Anders Bjork. Uh, Mark, what do you think about him? Oh, fantastic player. Um, can really stretch the ice with um, big strides. Um, tremendous skill. Great vision. He he plays a just a a very speedy, heady IQ game, and um, he just kind of reminds me of of a Pasternak skill um, with the speed of like Austin Zarnick and Frank Vitrano. You know what I mean? Um, I yep. think he's gonna I think he's gonna fit in the lineup sooner or later very well um, because the pieces that are. The wave of generational talent that's coming through is going to be very exciting uh, to watch and uh, definitely encourage anybody in the area. Please go to Providence Bruins games and and watch this happen because um, it's going to be, like I said, exciting. Did we lose everybody? Are there any other uh, prospects that you... um... Are there any other prospects that you want to touch on, Mark? Um, actually, the uh, the Canadian juniors are pretty much uh, wrapping up on their on their regular seasons because um, they're all pretty much in a line or get done pretty much in the same time. Uh, so um, the Prince George Cougars, uh, they've all clinched. Every one of these teams. Uh, uh, is that clinched. is that who? What what team? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. What team does uh, Gabriel play for? Prince George. He, put, he does. The, he are, the Bruins already signed him, correct? Yeah, he's got an entry-level so deal. Entry-level so, deal, I feel. Yeah, yeah. So after his commitment's done with Prince George this season, um, he'll probably most he'll most likely go to Providence and uh, be a, one of the like seventh or eighth forward there. But uh, he's been he playing. He can score, a, right? Oh yeah, his, this kid's got skill. He he reminds me. I watch him a lot. Um, I'm actually watching the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds uh, with Zach Senishin, but um, <clears throat> this uh, Gabriel is a—is it just a—he's—he's he's a six-foot pest. He reminds me of Marshan, uh, but he—he's—he does have skill like Marshan. He's got speed, and he can get in your face. So uh, he's going to be an exciting forward to watch. I, I've been watching him uh, with Prince George in the WHL, and uh, but I look forward to his next level. In the uh, in the AHL with Providence Bruins, you think Zach Senishin's coming to the Providence Bruins next year? Uh, to be honest, I I believe so. I I think that he'll benefit greatly from a full season 
Um, and not just um, the small sample size he gets from the organizational event um, and development camps. I think um, his emergence emergence into the uh, American Hockey League is going to be a good one, but it's going to be one that he might need a full season or, or be one of those call-ups for um, injury purposes. But uh, I think one year, and then I, I believe he'll uh, he'll definitely be an uh, – NHL right winger. Uh, the Bruins are real thin on the right wing. If you guys look at the roster and the depth, so uh, he's pretty much, uh, you know, right in line for something to happen. So that's my projection, anyways. By far, my opinion. Right. No, that's why we. I mean, you watch uh, obviously more of the prospect games than I'd, I'd like to watch more, but you know, sometimes I just with my life, I can't. I can't watch all these games. So that's why it's great to have you on and talk about uh, some of these players and. Uh, I just if you could just if you don't mind since you watch all these players if you could uh, give your two thoughts on maybe uh, Jacob Saboro and uh, Jeremy Lazone. Both players uh, play in the Quebec Major Junior. Um, uh, Saboro plays for the St. John Sea Dogs, and uh, they're in the playoffs and um, they get ninety eight points. They are the best team. Uh, Saboro's been uh, one of those types of defensemen that uh, works on things one year and then dips the next year so he's very like up and down uh with his development but this season he's having a career year so um i believe he'll uh he's a player that will definitely be the ahl next season uh because he's uh, eligible after the 20 year after he turns 20 so that providence is going to look really good next season that's good news. Uh, what that's, are, what that's good. You want me to go, Mike? Yeah. Um, go and that's good news for the Boston Bruins because having all these prospects that are coming up, it gives the Bruins assets in the long term for if they ha- for them to become playoff content- contenders on a consistent basis again. Right. And uh, Jeremy Lawson, I meant to touch on that. I'm sorry, Mike, but uh, he's another player that rem- kind of reminds me of Borrell. Uh, they're very close. But they both remind me of a bigger Tory Krug. They both got really good upside on the offensive side of the of the game. Um, they both skate very well, uh, and they got good vision up the ice. So um, you know those two most definitely are going to be in the AHL uh, next season. So you think they're going to be in the NHL next season, Zaboro and Lawson? Not, I didn't say NHL. Oh, AHL. AHL. Yeah, they're yeah, both, no, they they're should, they're uh, both uh, eligible and they're both under uh, entry level contracts. So that's pretty much tells that they're going to play in the uh, in the AHL next next year. That's great. And also another prospect that the Bruins have is uh, Ryan Donato that plays at Harvard. He just won the ECAC Player of the Year as a sophomore. So obviously he's had some encouraging signs for down the road. Uh, but Mark, obviously, you said you watch a lot of Providence games, and uh, the Bruins have some a few Providence Bruins players that you know, like you said, you talked about Heinen earlier, and I thought you had a good analysis on that. Just uh, can you just talk about some of the other players that maybe have um, played in the NHL this year, like uh, like where do you see Grizzlick's game, uh, and also if you could touch on uh, DeBrusque and his progress, that'd be great. Well, Jake DeBrusque uh, has been playing a, a decent game down down in the, with the Providence Bruins, but. It's nothing that um, is screaming call up or or even 
get me on the roster next year. Um, I think he's a, he's definitely a work in progress. Um, but you, you got to have those depth players sooner or later. I, I mean, I could be, this is just my opinion and from what I see, because I, mean, I watched a lot of the games, so I, I, I'm not a very professional, but it's just a hobby. But um, I, I see his game another year in the AHL. I don't think he's progressing that faster than what they thought. Sorry, did you say that was from DeBrusque? Yeah, DeBrusque. Yeah. You you don't see him becoming. You think he's more of a depth player than than you than he could be like making an impact on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see him on the roster next season. Uh, just not by with the current contracts and and just by the way that the uh, the Jacobs penny pinch. They want to get every dollar out of every contract. So I mean, it's 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 pretty um, you know black and white. They haven't freaking waived Jimmy Hayes at all. So at all season, and they could have, and they didn't do it. So it just tells you what you know. I don't know. No, I mean, it's definitely, definitely good analysis. Maybe the Bruins just missed on that pick. And um, I, to be honest, I was, I was disappointed with him as the, as the pick more than I was with Sinitian and Zaboro. I thought like Zaboro obviously went right around where he was supposed to. They reached a little bit for Sinitian, but I, I, I thought DeBrusque was always by far the worst of the three prospects, and that was no, you especially know, knock with, on him. Especially with Kyle Connor still on the board and players like that, you know. Right, no, I totally agree. I thought they just reached. I, I just didn't think that DeBrusque was was someone that could come in and and play. And yeah. um, I just that that was one's always going to be a head scratcher to me. But the Bruins do have some some great prospects coming up, and they even have uh, a couple goalies. Obviously, I have a uh, prospect that I want to ask uh, Mark about really quickly. Someone who we yeah, haven't really talked much about, but was also drafted last year. What do you what do you think of Trent Frederick? Oh, this kid. Now this this one's a special. This this kid's gonna be special. Uh, this he just got done with his. Fr- this is the pick everyone made fun of, right? Yeah, it was the 29th pick, and and one of all the, reasons, all the experts for so were saying that they shouldn't have picked him. Yeah, they, they you know they they did the whole uh, off the board kind of thing with this one, but I think there was some inside intelligence, um, and this is from a lot of people that are way out of my, my pay scale. Uh, said that there was inside information that Anaheim was going to pick Frederick. So the Bruins nabbed them up before they could. And and I believe it or not, if, if you had the chance to see this kid, um, good for you. you. You took the time to really watch and see what what the scouting system saw. And, and what I saw at Wisconsin in his freshman year this year was uh, something special. When he was healthy. He did get injured. He won freshman he, of the year, didn't he? Yes, he did. Um, when he got injured a little, uh, I believe in November into December, I think it was a an arm or wrist injury. But um, ever since that, he's been uh, just an outstanding, outstanding forward, and definitely keep on the radar for next year sophomore season. The awesome. other one, love the to other, hear that. Can I just say something about um, another player for Wisconsin? Yeah. Uh, Cameron Hughes, uh, look him up. Long, I mean, deep, deep pick. Uh, not sure which which um, which draft he was. It's been a while, um, but uh, he w- went on a 12 game point streak this season and has played very well. Um, I see him making uh, some noise with Providence next season 
as he'll be uh, a graduated forward, I believe. Oh, wow. I mean, that's why I mean, that's why you never know about prospects. You pick the players that you think can fit right, and obviously you never know what could stick. Everyone, like you said, was laughing at that Frederick pick, and yep. now it looks like it to be a really good pick. And yep. uh, Ryan Lingering, I mean, obviously no one really knew much about him, but he made the World Juniors as a shutdown defenseman. He looks like he has some promise. Ryan Donato uh, obviously won ECAC Player of the Year. So the Bruins have some really, really good draft picks, hopefully, on the line. And like you said earlier, Mike, they are prospects. You don't want to, you know, jump the gun there and say that they're going to be so, like, like NHL, NHL caliber players next year. But it's just something to keep an eye on that I think the Bruins have done well is rebuild their system. I think that's where Sweeney deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I'm not a fan of uh, Don uh, Sweeney's signings, uh, but, but the way he's been bringing in younger talent is, um, I, you know, I got to give him a B, a B average on that. And obviously on his signings, I got to give him a, a D minus. But, you know, it, everything's been good so far with rebuilding. Um, and I believe Providence has been starving for the last couple of seasons for talent like this. And, and now the wave's coming in, and I'm, I'm so pumped to see it. And I, I actually hope in this year's draft they do pick um, at least one or two uh, Canadian junior players. I know the restrictions are tough with the, um, the agreement that the CHL and NHL has, but um, I really like that hockey, and I like that developmental league. I, I, they didn't pick anybody last year, so it was all American kids and, and college students, so, and obviously European players too. Yeah, absolutely. It seems uh, the college road, more more and more players are coming from the college ranks. So I feel absolutely. like there's been more of a, a, a switch than obviously there's still players that come from the juniors. And like you said, overseas. But I feel like college hockey has been, you know, getting a lot of credit now for becoming, like you said, a developmental league. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they're just, you know, competing with the Canadian junior leagues. And I believe that and they are getting to that level. Um, and it's good. It's good that kids want to stay here and play instead of uh, crossing the border and going to play up there, which isn't a bad thing. If you want to, you know, you know, explore another area and, and play for a different country, that uh, that's totally up to you. But it's nice to have the stuff that's in-house, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's easier to watch college hockey than it is to watch junior games, especially with the actually, local. Actually, I'm sorry, Mike, I don't mean to interrupt, but I have harder time watching college games than I do junior oh, games no way who would have yeah. thought that huh i i i can't get a, I, I buy all the packages so i'm set up to watch the nhl ahl ohl uh q w uh the ushl even the, the southern pacific hockey league i got all access to that but i can't get any regular uh ncaa games oh usually they're um i don't know how good what cable network you have for comcast for tv but uh yeah, usually I have I have all the channels that usually I have like the the Big Ten Network and networks like that, CBS oh. Sports that usually play college games on the weekends. Really, Big Ten, huh? Yeah, I mean, you I, watch Wisconsin, Trent Frederick. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I, I haven't really been able to watch as much as I, this year as I usually have in years past, so that's why I thought it was. Um, I I, I ask you more of the questions about it. Obviously, I know, I do my research and I know about the prospects and, and how they're doing, but you watch them obviously more than I do, so oh, that's why we like yep. to get your feedback. But um, well, I watch a lot of video. Just to go back to the, the the big guys, the big guys, if we can, unless you have any other um, 
No. I'm good. All right, cool. So let's go back to the big club quickly before um, we sign off. Uh, I just wanted to touch on this, uh, up, how up crucial these next three games are, I think, in for the Bruins season. Uh, Edmonton, Calgary, and Toronto. And I know they come back and home and play Ottawa, but I think the Bruins got to get two of these three games. Obviously, the standings now are getting a little bit bunched up again. Um, the Islanders are up and down, but they're still right there. Toronto's right there. The Tampa Bay Lightning have come out of nowhere. Uh, I think the Bruins need to get two of these three games, and they, I think the Toronto game's almost a must-win game for the Bruins if they want to have a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, yeah, absolutely. These, game, these games are, are so crucial. Must points. Um, no excuses. Um, you definitely can't bring in uh, the game that they play at Ottawa um, against Ottawa in the next two games. So uh, definitely got to capitalize with uh, Atlantic Division, you know, foes. Scratch away. It's, it's down, you know, it's, I just get to the point this, the last two seasons and coming into this. 